My name is Paul. I'm the acting lead pastor here at Granville Chapel, and uh, it's good to be able to welcome you. It's nice to see uh, faces, familiar faces, some returning faces. We've missed you, and uh, of course, we're all navigating uh, COVID right now. We're still in our masks. We're, we're working it out as we go along. Things are getting better, but we all know people who are going down with this thing, but thankfully uh, coming through it, and, um, and uh, the Lord has been with us throughout all of it, and I think he's taught us and is teaching us a lot uh, in this season. We've been going through this last few weeks looking at uh, prayer and how we pray, and we said earlier on in the month that um, Sunday, a 24-7 prayer challenge, and on February the 1st, on Tuesday, that brings those 24 days of prayer to a close, 24 days to pray as a community, to commit to at least seven minutes a day to be able to pray uh, and to listen and to pause, to rejoice, to ask God. Uh, and this morning, we're going to look at what it means to yield before him. But before we move into that, I just want to give you a few 30 seconds to reflect on your experience over this last month or your experience of prayer. Um, how is it? Uh, do you feel that excitement when you come to a place of prayer? Is that a place of God's presence that you experience? What have you experienced even this week? If there's someone beside you that you want to share that with, maybe the extent of your prayer life is, well, we pray at dinner. We don't pray at breakfast. I don't know the difference, but something is going on, and uh, we are at least praying together as a family. So 30 seconds. If you want to just reflect to yourself or the person next to you, what has been your experience? Have you experienced any breakthroughs? How has God been answering your prayers? What has he been saying to you? I, um, I don't know about you. I mean, prayer, I think, can be, it can take us on a bit of an up and down. There are times when it's amazing. We, we kind of feel like so connected with God. He's present. It's real. He's answering prayers. We feel like he's, he's really very much in the room. It's almost tangible. And other times it feels like, well, Lord, where are you? It feels like I'm banging my head against the wall or my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Do you even hear me? I, I found a, an email, actually. This is from some time back. But I don't always get these, but I'd love to get them more. But on this one, it said, hey, I hope yesterday finished well for you. This was an email from somebody who had said, could you come and pray with me? Um, and they would ask for healing prayer. And I must admit, as I set out, I thought, oof, okay, how's this going to go? Well, Lord, I'll go because that's what you tell us to do. But I, honestly, I went out, I think, not really expecting anything more than, you know, well, it's just good to come alongside at, at this point. Anyway. We went, we prayed, and God did something. Uh, he's, he goes on to say, hey, I hope yesterday finished well for you. I can say that it certainly went well for me. I'm still kind of in shock over the whole thing. What happened here is deep. Wholeness on more than one level. I feel like my life has changed forever. I just want to explode in a very excited, nonviolent way. My coworkers have all commented that I seem different, like something has changed. I didn't have any reason to email you other than to celebrate and say again, the Lord is good. He has done more than I could have asked or imagined and filled me with joy and hope and peace that I haven't experienced since the day that I met Jesus. 
As I started telling this story, I learned of at least five other people who had prayed for me to be healed in the last couple of days. Some at precisely the same time as we prayed together yesterday. How incredible is that? It would be great to catch up again sometime. I promise I don't regularly burst into sobbing laughter, as happened on the time that we prayed. And then I got an email a couple of days later. I spent the afternoon sitting in Starbucks reflecting. I'm still astonished. There's a lot to process. In Revelation, John keeps telling his readers to open their eyes, to look, to perceive the kingdom of God and the unseen realities of our world. And it seems like we got to see the kingdom of God very close at hand indeed. And I'm suddenly confronted with so many ways that the Lord has been working on me and through my circumstances over the past few years. This is just wild. Every time I think about this, it blows my mind. C.S. Lewis has this great quote about the kingdom of God working backward to take our agony and turn it into glory. Until now, I've understood that my walk with Jesus has changed my future. Now I see that he's redeemed my past too. It's extraordinary. Thanks for your prayers. Our God is amazing. I wish I was getting those emails every day. That was a, that was a case where God showed up. He had stirred people, not just those of us in the room, but people around that knew this, this person to pray for healing. And he came and he moved. And actually, um, sight was restored on that on that occasion. It was a remarkable story. I wish I received those emails more often. I, li- I would love to have one in my inbox every week. Um, but prayer isn't always as exciting as that, is it? I, I'd like to, I was thinking as we came to this idea of prayer, um, I follow the premiership, but if whatever sport you follow, you know, they, they have players' stats, don't they? It's incredible the kind of stats they, can play, they have for players and their positions and what they do. And I thought, what would be Jesus' stats on prayer? You know, like how many, you know, how many assists in, in soccer would be like, oh, how many assists? Like, what did Jesus do? Like, how many times did Jesus pray, and how many times did Jesus get his prayers answered? I mean, he, he always prayed. He seemed to be always in a place of prayer. We have frequently throughout the New Testament or throughout the, the Gospels we see about Jesus and his life in prayer. He prayed a lot. He went up mountains to pray. He withdrew to be by himself to pray. He, he, he took time amongst the, misian, the busyness and the pressures of everything around him still to withdraw, to pray, to, to look for his father's hand, to hear his father's voice. Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. And so in all of the busyness, in all of the pressure, in all of the demands, Jesus took time to pray. And we know, as we read through the Gospels, we see and we hear how people were healed. He raised the dead to life. The the lame were restored. Uh, The blind were given sight. The diseased were cleansed. And Jesus is still healing today. That story that I just read. And others of us have other stories of times and places where we've prayed for people. We prayed specifically for healing. or We've prayed for us to a specific end. And we've seen God act powerfully in ways that are beyond our understanding. Mike shared a story last week, a remarkable story about a a woman, somebody he knew, her healing journey in the Lord. It wasn't uh, something that happened from one day to the next, but she sensed that the Lord was healing her. And I felt, as I listened to that story, faith rising in our our community. God does this, but we don't get the emails every week. I wish, Lord, that we we could. We're praying. We long for healing. We pray for healing. I wish we saw it more. But it doesn't happen uh, every day. C.S. Lewis, uh, 
here's another quote from him. C.S. Lewis said this, that God can and does on occasions modify the behavior of matter and produce what we would call miracles is part of the Christian faith. And he adds, however, that the very conception of a common and therefore stable world demands that these occasions should be extremely rare. See, we live in a world where there is order. There are, there are ways that things are set up. If I were to drop a hammer from this height onto my toe, I would expect it to hurt and possibly break my toe. It's not going to just float and levitate off the ground because I love the Lord and I've prayed that he would protect me, and so this is not going to happen. See, as Christians, even though we are called to pray and we're invited to pray, we're encouraged to pray, we know that prayer can change things, we... We are still in a world where there are rules and laws that are set up. We don't, get to get, we don't get a free pass out of misery and suffering. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will suffer, you will struggle, you will have trouble. But then he goes on to say, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You can trust in me. But it's hard, isn't it? When we are praying, when we have been praying, and, and we don't see God work in the way that we long to see him work. We don't see him working in the ways that we expect him to work. I mean, Lord, we know that you can. We know that you could. And we've prayed. I even fasted. So, like... Isn't there a kind of some kind of deal that we're doing here? If I do this, then you do that. Do you care then, Lord? Are you are you listening? I mean, we know that not all of our prayers are answered in the way that we expect. And I want to carry on and we're going to keep thinking about this area of prayer and actually how God does answer our prayers, but not in the way that we expect. Jesus himself experienced unanswered prayer. Remember when he prayed for the, the blind man that he would restore his sight and he prayed for him and he said, so, how was that? And the guy said, well, it looks like trees. Well, that doesn't work. And so Jesus prayed again for him. He pushed in and then his sight was restored. Jesus prayed that his church would be one. And he still prays that we as his church would be one. And yet, as we look around the world, we see that the church is anything but united. But Jesus prays that we would be one. So what if prayer is not just about getting results? What if it's not just about those stats, that return? I prayed, I asked, God did. That's, that's one in the bag. What if it's, it's not about the doing as much as the being and the becoming, the transformation that God does in us as we pray? It's more about relationship than results. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Uh, and we're going to read from pages 32 uh, to 36. So this is a prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is looking down the barrel of his arrest, a horrendous torture. He knows what is coming, uh, that he will endure the pain and suffering of the cross. 
And so we read this remarkable prayer that Jesus prayed in the, in the agony of those final hours of his life. Where he said, they, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be so deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will, he said. Isn't this a remarkable episode that we have recorded in Scripture of Jesus coming to like the climax of his ministry, the very reason for which he came, and then suddenly looking like he's putting his hand up and saying, actually, you know what? I don't want this. Can we do this another way? There's something in this Scripture that reminds us of Jesus' vulnerability and his honesty, and in that, ours too before God as we come before him in prayer. Something else that in that place of vulnerability and honesty with God, he was also honest and vulnerable before his friends. I think there's something, there's a tendency for us that when we're in moments of intense opposition and pressure or stress or angst, I mean, Jesus, we read in other, in other accounts of this, he bled, he sweat blood. As he prayed that, such was the stress that his body was under at this time. And we, we might, in those moments, actually withdraw and just isolate ourselves. I, I don't want to see anyone. I can't see anyone. I can't speak to anyone. I can't be positive about what's going on. I just want to curl up in a ball and close the door and draw the curtains and close the world out and just get through this. But Jesus, in his honesty and his vulnerability, invited his friends, Peter, James, and John, come with me. Would you sit with me? Would you pray with me? Would you be with me through this time? Verse 35, it says, or it talks about how, how distressed before that, 33, distressed and troubled, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And then in that place, it's in that place of, of, of grief that Jesus actually pushes further into prayer. He fell to the ground and prayed, if it possible, that the hour might pass from him. I remember in the early days of when I came to faith and going through different things and, and you know, some stuff and some hard stuff and news that I received that were hard. And I remember being in my room in my house in uh, South London and just picking up the phone and, and trying to call my, my family, trying to call my brother. I couldn't get through to my brother. So, okay, I'll, I'll call my mom and I tried to get through. I, I couldn't get through to my mom. I couldn't try and call my dad. I'll call my dad. And I couldn't, I couldn't get through to anybody. And in that, those very early days of my Christian life, my relationship with Jesus, I realized, well then, Lord, I, I gotta bring this to you. And in that place, I prayed, Lord, this hurts. Would you meet me? Can you help me? I don't understand what's going on. 
And God met with me. I mean, I could have talked with my family. I could have had a long conversation with each one of them, one after the other. But what I really needed most and more than anything else was a word from my heavenly Father to say, hey, I see you. I know you. I am with you. You are not alone. I have you. And so it is that Jesus, throwing himself to the ground in prayer, cries out to his Father, Abba, Father, at this point of absolute pain and agony, Jesus never doubted the love of the Father, the goodness of his Father to whom he prayed. There was no question in his mind about that. And yet I think at times we might doubt that. We might question. But here Jesus shows us, hey, there is, you need never question the love of the Father, the relationship, that closeness, that faithfulness of the Father to you, whatever it is. We come before him, Abba, Father, the closest relationship that we could imagine. He trusted in God's love and went on to say, Lord, all things, everything is possible for you. Father, you can do this. Eugene Peterson says, you know, Jesus fell to the ground. He prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can. Can't you get me out of this? trusted in God's power. He trusted in his love and he trusted in God's power. God was not incapable. God was not powerless in the face of this adversity, in the the grip of this angst, this terror that Jesus faced. God is good. He loves us. And God can. He's all-powerful. That actually makes it harder, though, doesn't it? Because if he can, if he loves us, and he can, but he doesn't, how does that affect our understanding of God? Or or maybe we need to review and reflect our understanding of prayer or even the situation that we find ourselves in. You see, we are in a world that is broken, and the world is at war. We have an enemy, Satan who is intent on defeating or or resisting God's work, of, of, of resisting God's kingdom. And when we pray, his kingdom comes. And so when we pray, we know that we come against an enemy, opposition, who would seek to stop and impede God's will. But he's limited. And he only operates within the confines that God allows. And at times, God appears not to answer our prayers in the way that we would hope. But in that place, we must always hold on to the fact, but God, you are good, and you are wise, and your ways are higher. Your understanding is far beyond mine. And so I'm going to trust in your goodness, I'm going to trust in your love, and I'm going to trust in your power, even though at this moment, I don't understand. Help me, Lord. Jesus has come that we might have life. He comes to bring us that shalom, to infect, to affect every area of our life. And he says in that same verse, there is an enemy. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the greatest thing that he can throw against us, Jesus has overcome because the death, death is no longer the end. At the cross, Jesus has overcome. And he's made a way for us. No matter what we face, our greatest foe has been defeated. And we can have hope. And we do have hope. 
Jesus said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And then the most remarkable part of this prayer, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, such is God's love for the world that Jesus came to die. It was necessary for Jesus to go to the cross for us. Jesus came. He healed. He spoke. He taught. But he came to die to shed his blood for us that we might go free. That his blood was shed. He, the perfect sacrifice for our sins to take upon himself the penalty that is due to us for our sin and rebellion, the perfect lamb through whose blood we would be washed and made clean. Yet not what I will, but what you will, Jesus prayed. So when we started this season, we're kind of following along from using a book and resources and drawing from a resource by Pete Gregg, and the 24-7 prayer and prayer for ordinary people. It's a great resource. Our community groups are following it when um, some of them are doing that. If you haven't already and you're interested, there is a resource. I'm drawing from it this morning. And you know, there are resources that are going to go into more depth of some of the things that I'm just touching on this morning, like spiritual warfare and, and why and how do we deal with that and how and does God work in us and through us when we pray in this way or when we pray in that way. But our, our prayer and our hope for this season is that we would be, there's the theme for the year, about deeper into the more and better life that Jesus offers us and to be deeper into prayer. That, that doesn't mean that we would get better at prayer, that, our, that we'd become more articulate and fluent in our prayer language, but that the Lord would take us to a place of deeper, of greater depth of intimacy with him that actually would ignite our prayer lives before him because it's, it's what feeds our soul. It's the oxygen that we breathe. So not that we get, oh yeah, we prayed for a month and we, we saw these results and isn't that amazing, but we've prayed, I've prayed, I've set seven minutes, 14 minutes, half an hour, and whatever it's been, I have sought the Lord and in that place, and in that time, I have known his presence. I have felt his strength. I have known his comfort, his peace. And, and there is transformation that happens. And at times, that transformation happens in the crucible of unanswered prayer. Of unanswered prayer. Because maybe it's not unanswered at all. Maybe it's just not being answered in the way that we recognize, see, or expect. that we will be transformed in the waiting, still trusting in God, Father, in his love, and in his power, and in his purpose. There's a story in uh, Daniel uh, 3. Three characters, Shady, Mesh, and Abe. And they answered to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, because uh, he's saying, you've got to bow down. He's going to throw them into a fiery furnace. They are toast, as it would seem, as they look into this furnace. And he said, and they say, you know, you're going to bow down to me. You stop worshiping this, this God. You're going to bow down and worship me. And they said, uh, 
oh king, we've no need to answer you in this matter. Because if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. What incredible confidence, what incredible trust. Like God, all-powerful, you can. And then they go, but if he doesn't, because he might not, that's also okay. If he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar stoked up the fire and made it even hotter, so much so that the guards, as they led them forward, were, were killed as they took them uh, to the furnace. Somebody for whom we pray and love has said words in a paraphrased version of that where they've said, I know that God can heal me. I'd love God to heal me, but if he doesn't, I'm good with that. You see, isn't it a remarkable place of trust? And that not that what the Lord is taking us to? Isn't that actually part of what our experience of prayer is about and what it's cultivating? It's not just about, I prayed, God did this, thank you very much, jackpot. But actually cultivating in us a trust and a relationship and an intimacy with him that is not conditional about, of God doing things my way when I want because he can. And, and, you know, like, where is the faith? Where is the trust in that? Isn't it all about learning to trust God and his goodness and his ways above and beyond ours? I think it's quite common that we might, and it's, and it's real. I'm not, I'm not making this seem any less. We, many of us, are in situations right now. I mean, how many times have we prayed over the last two years? Oh, Lord, get us out of this. Just remove this thing from us. We are so fed up with this. We're bored of it. People are suffering and struggle, and we see the issues, and we've seen the hurt. Lord, take us out of it. And you know, sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. But sometimes, instead of taking us out of it, he comes to us in it. It's like, imagine, you're like that, the helicopter pilot. You're on your island, you're waving. <laughs> and the helicopter flies down, and you can see the guy coming down on his ladder, and he's coming down, it's like, I'm saved, I'm rescued, I'm off the island. And the guy jumps off, waves the helicopter goodbye, and off he goes. <laughs> what? I wanted to go. And Jesus said, but I'm with you. I'm with you now. Trust me. Trust in my love. Trust in my goodness. Trust in my ways. You see, it might be that there are times that we're praying and we're praying and we're asking and we're waiting and we still don't see the result. And Lord, Lord, I don't, I don't hear you. It, you just seem silent. But being silent is not the same as being absent. God is with us always. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but, but trust me, I've overcome. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. So what do we expect? What should we expect? And how can and should we pray? Well, we can always expect God to come to us. 
but we shouldn't expect him to come only in a certain way. Oswald Chambers, uh, who's a 19th century Baptist preacher, or at the turn of the century, he said, keep your life so constant in its contact with God that his surprising power may break out on the right hand and on the left. Always be in a state of expectancy and see that you leave room for God to come in as he likes. To leave room for God. That when we're praying, that we're not just so fixed on one outcome of one way, but, but Lord, not as I will, but as, your, as you will, may it be. This prayer of Jesus is a, is a dangerous prayer. Lord, not as I will, but as you will. In Revelation 3, Jesus, we see in the vision, we have a picture of Jesus standing at the door. There's a famous painting by Holman Hunt that has a picture of Jesus, light of the world. If you see that one, standing at the door. And, and in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, eat with him, and he with me. Jesus stands at the door of our lives and knocks. And he wants to come in. But we have to open the door and invite him in. And actually, Jesus wants to come in to every area of our life. So we may have turned to Jesus and, and said, Lord, come in. But Jesus says, but I want you to make room for me. I want to get into every area of life. I want you to invite me into your relationship. I want you to invite me into your marriage. I want you to invite me into the, what's going on at home with your kids. I want you to invite me into your work. I want you to give me room. Will you give me room? And Jesus doesn't barge in. He waits until we open the door and we invite him in. And sometimes we're just going to open the door a crack and like, ah, oh, not yet. So that prayer, to go from take this cup away from me, get me out of here to, okay, not what I will, but what you will brings us to a place of trust, of depth, of dependency, and of surrender. And if through our month of prayer, for the last 24 days, what has God done? If in that time he has been speaking to you and we've been praying, like, oh, it's just not working. God, you're not hearing. What am I, what are you doing? Not why, Lord, are you not doing this? But, Lord, where are you working? Okay, okay. It's not why not, but, but where? Where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me in my prayers in this time? How then, Lord, might I pray? Not my will, but yours be done. This is the most dangerous prayer. It's a prayer of surrender, but it is, as my, as my friend emailed me, you know, this is Something amazing has happened here. How incredible is this? I'm in shock over the whole. There is something that happens in that place of surrender before God, of vulnerability, of openness to say, Lord, not my way, not my will, but yours be done. 
I'm going to invite the band up, and, I, and, as I, and as they come up, we are invited. Jesus invites us to that place of surrender. This is a prayer of surrender, our prayer, our wrestle before God. It's not just to get our own way, but to get to a place where God gets his way in us, isn't it? That we might surrender our lives to him, to make room for God. And for some of us here today, or some who are listening or watching online, it might be that we come to that place of surrender before him. Lord, I want you to have all of my life. I want to open the door to receive you to trust you, to get to that point where I don't understand, I don't know, I don't even like what is happening. But I do know that you're good and I do know that your love is over all things, that you love me, that you see me, that you hear me. I know that you can and if you're not, where are you leading me in this prayer? And what are you showing me? Because if this is where I am, Lord, would you come to me in it? Maybe I've been praying, Lord, lift me out. But instead, Lord, would you come? And maybe someone here today, it's that point of, Lord Jesus, I have been pushing you away, and I've been angry and hurt, and I felt let down. But today, I want to surrender to you. Would you come to me in this place? Come to me, Jesus. Jesus wants us to surrender our whole lives to him. And in that place of our busyness, to give Jesus every area of our lives. You know, we can be so busy doing stuff for Jesus that we can forget to be doing things with him. Saul. Remember Saul? Later the apostle Paul. Saul, everyone would say, was doing a lot for God people thought. He, he thought, I'm doing a lot for God here. He said in, in Galatians, you know, he was very zealous for the Lord. Advancing Judaism beyond many of my own age, my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Doing so much for God, but not with God, because he didn't know God fully. And he goes on to say, but when it pleased God, the God who set me apart, when it pleased him to reveal Jesus to me, everything changed for him. That he would preach him among the Gentiles. When, when, Paul, when Saul was apprehended by the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And his whole understanding, his, his framework of God, his understanding of who he was, Everything changed. He had to reconfigure his whole operating system of who God is and how God works. When we pray, we can always expect God to show up. We can always expect God to hear and answer our prayers. But we cannot always expect him to work in ways that we have known to this point. Jesus will always go beyond and do more than we dare believe, ask, or imagine. So what if God is asking us this morning that in surrendering our lives that we might also surrender to him our fears, our ways, our understanding, our traditions, our, our religion, that we might make more room 